0: Welcome to Zero to CEO, where seasoned entrepreneurs will teach you how to succeed. I'm your host, Jason Sherman. In today's episode of Zero to CEO, I speak to CEO and founder of Olson Consulting, Margie Olson. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Jason. And today we're going to talk about elevating CEO and C-suite dynamics, um, which is probably a lot of different things because I'm noticing from your bio and all the different things that you you mentioned. Um, it's going to be a lot about being a leader, right? And leadership, a lot of people talk about leadership in different ways, right? Like I've noticed recently in the news um, with Sam Maltman, he mentioned after being ousted from being CEO of his company, leadership is people who have followers, right? I mean, if people don't follow you, then you're not really a leader, right? Correct. Um, what's your definition of being a leader and how do you become a high performing leader?
1: The definition of having followers is there are many leaders that fit that description. The challenge is, if we're being honest, probably the biggest undiscussable secret is we do not train leaders. We do not teach leaders to lead. We may have programs. We may be you know, ask HR for help or the organization development department. Or we bring in trainers and consultants and coaches, and but we are doing a slice of it, and we're not looking at the whole uh, piece. And what I like to say is, imagine if in school, once you finish your uh, childhood education, so you come out of high school, if that's where you went, imagine if now they make you a teacher. Why? Because you've just been there for years. <laughs> Look how much experience you have. But we don't hire our accountants that way. And we don't hire our lawyers or our medical people or our supply chain experts. We don't make them learn on the job. And by the way, if you learn on the job, you're learning from people who also didn't learn how to be a leader. So I was in corporate America for decades, and I saw the same issues over and over again. So I went back to graduate what, what, school. And
0: What were those issues?
1: So they are that leaders are, followers are not following the priorities and goals that the leader has. So they might be following the leader, but they're going back to their day job or their night job and they're doing their own thing. Mm -hmm. And when it's a leadership team and you've got, let's say, seven leaders that each represent a, a team in the organization, they're going back and leading them to row in a different direction. And the senior leader doesn't know what to do about that. Right. And this challenge, they're not talking about it openly. So they're not talking about it with their peers. So they don't even realize other CEOs have virtually the same challenge. They mm-hmm. have that, they have the firefighting, they have the burnout, they have all of those terrible meetings that nobody wants to go to and they can't seem to reduce them on their calendar. So they have all these issues. And what I know based on my experience in education is there are some root causes that are showing up in all of those places. You work on those, the building blocks for equity actually learning how to lead and develop and the dynamics that you need to have for your team and all of those things start to fall away and you really quickly can develop some successes. But when I was in corporate America... I saw very similar issues. So I went back to school the way someone might want to open a hood and understand what's the, how the car runs or maybe put something together inside the walls or open the toaster. I wanted to understand organization. So to my surprise, after four years of coursework in a doctorate in organization development, we knew. We know what we need to know, and we have known it for now 40 years. So if we know how to be a a leader, if we know how to lead a high-performing team, what is happening? So I did my research based on my dissertation, and then I spent the last 10 years in organizations practicing and working with clients Mm -hmm. on the gap between knowledge and action. And there are a few very key things that are the reason why you're not being successful with another coach or another consultant or trying to do it internally, because so there are some pieces in place that you need that organizations typically don't have. And we can talk about those.
0: Yeah, it's all so exciting. And there's so much to unpack there. I mean, I don't even know where to start. Um, but in, in some cases, you mentioned a lot about um, actions versus knowledge. And that's a big hot topic for me in particular, because I'm more of a knowledge type of person where I like to learn about something and then go down rabbit holes about that and then really understand everything about it. And then take it into action and try it in the real world and see if it works, so to speak. Um, So what are your thoughts on, you know, leaders, you know, obviously learning how to be a leader, but then taking that information and then trying it out and seeing what the results are? How how does that work in, in your consulting?
1: So when I develop Top Team Accelerator, it's a, a, an approach that has the building blocks, and they're the building blocks in sequence. So you can be a person who likes to learn a lot of knowledge, and you can have that style, and you can have one of your colleagues or your direct reports has a very action-oriented approach, and then you just figure out together how we work best. So the first thing we do, so the four pillars are called teamwork, commitment, which is clarity and alignment, accountability, which is about the operations, and then performance, which is about metrics and practice. And so the the first thing we do is teamwork and in there we people the leadership team develops trust and collaboration and they become a cohesive group. But we don't go after trust. Hmm. We don't go after collaboration. We That's do some assessments. We we want people to know themselves and know each other. So we're actually growing their self-awareness by doing the things that we're doing without shining a light and saying, you know, some people have more self-awareness than others. It's not about that. It's about growing it and growing what I call team awareness. So collectively, that leadership team and the leader become aware of how they're doing on the team. And so do some exercises and then we look at the work and the work is always the, the context for any of the activities that we do. If you have a, a if you're going off and doing a case study, if, a, if somebody's helping you, that case study is not going to help you. It might increase your knowledge about how to, how to approach a situation. But we want to do the situations that you're doing. We just want to do those and do them in the context of some new things. And so then then we look at what are the goals of the leader. So I once worked with a four person leadership team who spent every day together for months. They physically were side by side, they were collegial, they became friends, and they were doing this national rollout. And when I came in and so we did a couple of activities and had a, a, an offsite, they were really shocked to find out that each of the four had a different view of where they were headed and what it was going to take. And neither one of them thought that the other thought something different because isn't, isn't that they like do not have the that first, habit.
0: Isn't that like the first thing? that you learn or you should learn about being a founder or a CEO or a team leader is to all have the same vision and to be on the same page when it comes to your goals. Isn't that kind of like the main focus of starting a company? Is it absolutely the is. Same so, yep.
1: so Jason, that's a great example of something everyone within the sound of my voice right now can say, yeah, I know that. And then we ask them and we do a little checking and that's not what's happening
0: and they what's, don't know what's, that what's what's happening i'm confused because so, i've never i've never been really on the other side
1: so what is happening is they have not developed well enough which is why we always start with teamwork they have not developed well enough to even feel comfortable asking the questions
0: and what the questions do they ask
1: they, 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 the you have leaders who are concerned about overcommunicating and actually overcommunicating is a strategic advantage, but they they don't realize that the seven times seven ways saying it many different times they, they feel like they're kind of if somebody knows what vital is, a broken record and so and so they should be leading their meetings and putting on the radar the reminder of what we're going after and where this meeting fits, and they've heard that but they're not doing that. And what happens is a leader's day is no different than anybody else's. Their day is almost 99.9% habits. Hmm. So now we've shifted and now we're talking about the brain and the brain is ruling. You know, James Clear in Atomic <laughs> Habits says we don't rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our habits. So a leader learned their habits from their leader and their leader's leader. That's interesting. And the, and the meetings are terrible. Forbes says it's an $85 billion problem in just the U.S. meetings. Those meetings are happening out of habits. So if I tell you the three things you really should do for your meetings, you could say, I know i heard that I know. And then if I come and look, but you're not doing any of but that. You're not and doing
0: then... it. So what, so what are some examples of things you tell people they should be doing in their meetings?
1: Number one, you need to have the right people there. So now we now we just hit on one of the root cause issues that you need to fix for everything. You've got people who have FOMO, the fear of missing out, and you have politics. And so you have people coming to your meetings because you can't figure out how to uninvite them. If you uninvite them, you have just now broken all the unspoken rules. And also The first thing we do is separate out strategy from tactics. And so you have your tactics, which are getting keeping the doors open and getting the the operations going and going and going. But you're not solving your workforce challenges or opportunities in the day-to-day tactical meeting, which is why you always have fires. And you're also not solving those fires because someone brings up strategy. So when you separate out strategy and tactics and then make sure you have the right people at the right time for each of those conversations. Number two, when you start the meeting, you have an agenda, and people need to already have known the agenda. But one of the habits I ask people to change is, don't start your meetings with, hey, what else should we have on the agenda? Some leader thinks that's they're being empowering, or they're being kind, or or they're being strategic. There might be a bigger issue than what we were saying. Well, guess what you've just done? You've just Completely um, disassociate yourself with the knowledge and the wisdom you heard before that you have to have the right people in the meeting and they have to be prepared with information to come and have those conversations. If you start adding to the agenda, now you don't have that. Number three, you make sure that everybody can see what the uh, what you're capturing during the meeting. And it doesn't have to be the conversation. It's merely the decisions questions that need follow-up, and any actions that we're committed to. And then you always stop five minutes before. And everyone has this as a goal and really struggles to do this because they have to be disciplined and get everybody else to to be disciplined. You stop five minutes more and you say, okay, I'm going to show you, whether it's in person on a wall or it's on your desktop and you or somebody else has been capturing it, here are the two decisions we made. Boom. Here are the three questions that we have that we need to follow up on. Here are two commitments that people have. uh, And invariably, while you're saying those, you don't even get to all those because someone says, no, that's not what we decided. And right there is your opportunity. And that's great. This is Mm -hmm. a positive development. You've just now had a different view. Now you need to schedule another meeting or use email or have a one on one. This is where it all goes haywire. And this is why meetings then just people just dread them and say, see, that happens. There's nothing we can do about it. Once you start implementing the few things that I just said, separating out strategy and tactics and starting with an agenda that doesn't change, having the right people for the right time for the right conversation, everybody stays on track with what we're saying in the meeting. And then you stop five minutes early to review it. Once you start doing those a few times, all of a sudden productivity shoots up and you can actually remove meetings from your calendar. Right. By the way, those recurring meetings those need to go. The yeah. the There is a reason to have a recurring meeting. So everybody be honest about that and make sure that you have the right people at the right time and you're using the right tools and processes to have that happen. But all the rest, people are just coming, waiting to see what someone's going to say, that you're paying them to be in a meeting where they're not adding value. Once you develop the discipline, reduce the amount of meetings, guess what you've just done? You have freed up time and space for getting at great opportunities that you've been missing or solving the five generations in a workplace problem or figuring out what to do with remote or hybrid or in-person, you can't even really do that justice or get to that because you're too bogged down in the day-to-day and you say, well, we can't fix that because nobody can. Well, you can You just need time and space and the collective creativity of the people you have there.
0: Yeah, it's funny you say that about reducing the meetings. Uh, At some point, we were having meetings in in my company like at least twice a week, these like 30 to 40 to one hour meetings uh, of just like kind of teaching, onboarding, ask, answering questions, trying to make sure everyone's on the same page on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And it started to get really kind of tedious and like ah. time consuming. And sometimes the meetings would go on longer. And then as people started to, I guess, learn everything and get on the same page. And like you mentioned, the productivity started to go up. Um, And we did always do the recaps at the end. We always did that, and then we typed it out and sent it over as well. Now we don't really have any meetings now it's more like if somebody needs help, um then I do a one on one if somebody if if there's a new initiative that we're launching, we definitely do a, a team wide meeting, but we keep it short fifteen minutes tops, tell them the information answer questions and then we're done that's it's, it's that's it's
1: fantastic so now better. what i'm hearing from you is that you worked with the brain and you led your brain so the way the brain works is you can learn all this knowledge that we're talking about but the brain says whatever, I am too busy keeping you alive. I am being on target for the, the opportunities. I'll get back to you. And then it just keeps moving. But then you go to a class and then you have a meeting about it. And then you start changing how you do your meetings. And pretty soon the brain leans in and says, fine, I will be a part of this. It sounds like this is important and it will start to commit it to memory. It's one thing to, quote unquote, learn something by just being exposed to it. But you haven't committed it to memory, which they say so much of what we learn in a classroom is, is um, leaves. Not because the classroom is the problem, but because we have to turn it into memory, and then now you have developed these habits. And the people in that meeting, some of them have developed those habits, so nobody's balking anymore. Right. Nobody's um, uh, trying to hijack or trying to, uh, you know, um, get in the way of your success. You now imagine if there are thirty, and I'm not exaggerating, thirty different leadership capabilities and processes that you. Follow that same way of having the knowledge, putting it into, pre- you know, making decisions about how that, what that means for you. Practicing, having a coach be able to monitor and give you some more information. Let the things that fix immediately ride because they're going to, and that's fantastic. But then you might have a couple things that don't take right away. Maybe politics is an issue that you have to deal with more. No, I can't uninvite this person. Okay, let's work on that. But imagine 30 of these different capabilities that over several weeks or months, you have just now cha- developed new habits that others have, discipline and an approach that you now start to have a lot of wins. And I once had someone push back and say, oh, no, you can do this in a couple of weeks. No, you can't, because you would have already. Yep. You've done many things for a couple of weeks. What we're talking about is I don't want to do any more of these changes and have them just uh, evaporate. I don't want to um, compromise the integrity or the reputation of my leadership by continuing to tell my people I need to do A, B, and C, but I'm not doing it in a way that helps you actually learn it and turn it into action. Let us be disciplined about it, but use the brain the way it's designed instead of trying to fight it.
0: Love it, Margie. That was fascinating. So much information in one episode. Where can people find out more about you online?
1: So I'm on LinkedIn, Margie at and it's Margie Olson, O L E S O N. There's a silent little e in there, and then uh, my website is www.olsonolsenconsulting. consultingcom Lots of free resources out there. A case study where these different pillars were brought to life, and then I do post every day on LinkedIn uh, free resources, articles, and videos. so You can get a lot more information about this work.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Margie. Hope you guys learned something. Olson-Consulting.com for more information. And we'll see you guys in the next episode. Hope you enjoyed the episode. If you learned something today, please support this podcast by subscribing to it, sharing it with your friends, and leaving a five-star review. You can learn more about me at jasonsherman.org, where you'll find information about my book, also called Strap On Your Boots, available on Amazon, as well as my course called Startup Essentials on Udemy or Skillshare. I'll see you in next week's episode.